Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Hey everyone, welcome back to Seeking Witchcraft. It's me, your host, Ashley. And today I have on special guest, Heather Freeman. Welcome Heather to the show. Hi, Ashley. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, totally. So my name is Heather Freeman. I'm a professor of digital media at UNC Charlotte, and I'm also the host of Magic in the United States, which is a new podcast right now in November 2023 with PRX. Awesome. Yeah. So we are here today to talk about this new podcast. So I guess before we talk about the podcast, let's go a little bit into who are you exactly? What's your background? Like, how did how did you get to where this podcast is? And then we'll talk a bit about like, what is the podcast exactly? Yeah, totally. So I am an artist first and foremost, I guess. Well, okay, I'm a human being first and foremost, but I'm also an artist. I do films and animations. And uh, in 2016, I started working on what would have been my first feature film called Familiar Shapes. And then, as we know, a pandemic happened in 2020. (laughs) And I had all my funding frozen for that. So I had to pivot and I had all these amazing interviews and I decided to make a podcast and that just kind of I was bit by the bug. Now, Familiar Shapes was already also about magic. It was looking at the history of the early modern witch trials and comparing how the movable type press, which was the kind of hot, sexy, new information technology of that day, compared to social media. And so if we remember, you know, between 2016, 2018, and definitely during 2020, we started really thinking a lot about disinformation and misinformation. We thought a lot about social bots, which we don't really talk about anymore because generative AI is the big thing. So I was sort of comparing these new technologies and how they sort of spread disinformation and misinformation. And in tandem with that, I've been interested in magic my whole life, right? Like a lot of kids. <laughs> and I'm a practitioner. I do a bunch of different things. But after getting that that first podcast sort of done, and it was it's long, it's sprawling, it's not really well produced. But I I sort of struck a chord with that with some folks. And I decided I really wanted to do another podcast really focused on magic. And I really wanted to to do it better. So I started writing a grant proposal to do a series of podcasts looking at the history of magical practices, specifically in the United States. And this was going to be looking at magic as part of this intangible cultural heritage that we have in the U.S., like art, like dance, music, theater, religion, crafts. Magic is part of that, too. And so, yeah, I like I did a lot of research and deep diving into the history of magical practices, which is very much the history of marginalized communities. And yeah, and now I'm making podcasts. (laughs) Love that. Well, I guess I should ask. So what is your definition of magic within the show? Oh, that's so funny. Every like a scholar that I've asked that in the podcast that they all like start off saying like, no, don't make me define magic. (laughs) And it's the same, it's the same thing. Really, magic is a really nebulous category. And in in the first episode of the podcast, it's really looking at defining that that question. What is magic? What is religion? And Thorne Mooney's on that first episode, and she's fantastic because she's Thorne Mooney, but also because she's a religious studies scholar, also. And one of the things that she points out is that 
religion is a political category. It's when we try to define religion, most Americans think Christianity, Judaism, Islam, uh, maybe they'll throw in Buddhism if they're feeling, you know, worldly. But really, there's there's hundreds of religions in the United States, possibly even thousands. It's hard to say. And that category of religion is basically determined by other people, the dominant groups in society or the legal bodies in society. So what happens to magic then? Magic is sort of the dumping ground where we put everything that doesn't fit easily into the category of religion. And so a lot of the podcast is looking at practices that we as magical practitioners, especially white magical practitioners like myself, often think of as magic, but really that calling that practice magic has a racist history to it. And so part of the podcast is really unpacking that. And then also looking at how the words that individual practitioners use really varies even within the same practice. So anyway, that's really abstract, but that's, that's kind of the high level. So could you talk more a little bit about racism with magic? That's definitely a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely a, a, a point to bring up yeah. Do you like I, I managed to like not define magic either in that? Yeah. <laughs> it was a very academic response. Yes. Because I was like, oh, God, I don't know. It's a nebulous category. It, it reminds me of when I will hear like a high priest or high priestess, like a student will ask them a question and they'll be like, why don't you meditate on that? Because they don't <laughs> they don't want to like fully answer the question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's like, OK, I'm old. I'm like Gen X. I feel like my mom used to be like, go look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh my God. I know. At least you didn't say like the encyclopedia. Well, I remember yeah. looking things up in the encyclopedia. God, yeah. what a dated thing to say. I know. No, <laughs> she, yeah. If, she, if I was being really annoying, she'd be like, walk to the library and look it up in the encyclopedia. Like a mile <laughs> away. Fine. Yeah. So actually, I mean, I, I can define magic a little bit. Um, so, uh, really, the thing that defines magic, and, and this can be said for religion too, is the thing that makes it tricky, is that it's some sort of involvement or interaction with an invisible world. That world might be populated by spirits. It might be populated by energy. Like the nature of that individual world really varies on that person's framework, but it's something beyond the physical, tangible world. And so, the difference between doing a spell and saying a prayer gets really nebulous, but I think that's probably about as close a definition as, as I think we, we really get into. When it comes to the history of racism, so the, the United States history is based on conceptions of race that are inventions, right? They're social constructs. Yes, we look different physically from each other. That's that's real. But the idea of racial identities as these sort of social categories was an invention by white colonists. And so one of the episodes, episode five, for example, this is just an example, looks at the history of hoodoo, root work, and conjure. And if you go, go on Etsy right now and you look up like hoodoo, you're going to find like all kinds of hoodoo kits. They're sold by all different kinds of folks, including white practitioners, Asian American practitioners, you know, whatever. But often those are really separated out from the history of hoodoo, root work, and conjure. And hoodoo, root work, and conjure, I'm using those terms sort of interchangeably. There's nuance between them. Hoodoo is sort of potentially a problematic word for somebody like me who's white using it. So I use it as like a kind of cluster because it does have currency today. But these were practices developed by enslaved African-Americans who brought with them Central and West African practices. And then they remixed it in this really sort of beautiful 
creative, amazing way with European practices, Native American practices. And one of the concepts that we talk about in this podcast is remixing and bricolage in religious studies. So you might have somebody, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dial away from hoodoo root work conjure for a second. You might have somebody who's like a Methodist, but they also believe in reincarnation, right? Like that's not part of the method Methodist theology, but you can have an individual who just decides they believe that, right? That's that's an example of remixing, of bricolage. And we all do this all the time, our whole lives. Our our beliefs about the invisible world change from the, the day we're born until the day we die, you know usually really subtly. And so often that remixing happens when you have different communities living close to one another and you have some need, some duress that needs some something to happen. So enslaved African Americans, they didn't have access to medical care. There was social fracturing that was deliberately placed upon them. They didn't have access to legal resources. It was an incredibly dangerous space for them. And so these indigenous folk healing practices, spiritualities, sort of worldview frameworks even, were the sort of necessary support line for the community to survive that time. And it continued to evolve and it continues to evolve to this day. So there's hoodoo root work, conjure practitioners who have these practices that they are continuing to develop that was passed to them by family members and was passed along in generations. And it's just this really rich, amazing uh, cultural heritage that we have in the United States. And in that particular episode, one of the things we talk about is in the first great migration, when a lot of African-Americans started moving north and to the Midwest and to the West Coast from the South, they brought these practices with them and they continued to change and evolve. And then you had this whole kind of capitalist currency <laughs> develop where then we had, you know, like Lucky Heart Mojo and, and these companies that started to market these things. And that continues to evolve it to this day. So at any rate, like the history of different racial, ethnic, and cultural minorities in the U.S. really is the story of magical religious practices in the U.S. And I think it's just like one of the most fascinating, like kind of beautiful things about this country. So I, it's so timely for me that you're talking in this example about voodoo because uh, last week I just went to New Orleans for the first time and I did the the voodoo ghost tour and I went to the voodoo museum and all these different, you know, all the spooky things that I could do in four days, I packed it into that trip. And one of the things I remember seeing at the voodoo museum was this sign about voodoo as a practice and kind of how it came to be. And it wrote about how it was this religion that was brought over and mixed in with the European practices, as you mentioned, and how it was so stigmatized as being evil, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. But I guess, you know, looking at American history with racism, I can see why they would say it was an evil thing, even though it's absolutely not. <laughs> so uh, it was really interesting to, to hear you talk about that because I'm like, wow, I just read about this last week in New Orleans at the Voodoo Museum. Or it might it, it might not have been the Voodoo Museum. It might have been a voodoo store. Yeah. We did a bunch of things in that realm uh, out there, but uh, very timely to hear you talk about that. And, and I, I need to jump in too because I know my community's advisors are going to be like they're, like, they're internalized for me now. So voodoo, like New Orleans voodoo and Haitian voodoo are religious practices. They're not magical practices. And uh, New Orleans voodoo, or New Orleans voodoo 
is different from hoodoo root work and conjure. They're separate, separate practices. So hoodoo root work and conjure really isn't a religious framework. It's, it's a, it's, it's really nuanced. It's like a worldview. And it's, this is like, maybe not a great example, but it's like, like singing happy birthday and blowing out the candles and making a wish. Like that's something we just, in the United States, we just culturally do. Like it's so ubiquitous. We don't even think about it, but it is part of our cultural heritage. And it's, it's different than that, right? Like that's sort of just this like birthday celebration. Who do root work and conjure is really anchored in this sense of you have these needs and this is a, a method to address them and a method of interacting with the world around you and your ancestors. But it's very, very separate from New Orleans voodoo. And yeah, in, in future episodes, we're going to probably have one specifically about New Orleans voodoo because that that history is fascinating and it's it's definitely its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was one of the, like, I love that trip so much. It was so culturally rich yeah. out there and it was the coolest thing. It was just so seeped in magic. Yeah. Um, anyway, I could talk about the trip all day, but that's not what we're here <laughs> for. <laughs> we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back in a moment. Stay tuned. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, and welcome back. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about was how did this podcast get started? Specifically, how did you get funding for this podcast? Like, I think that's so, so cool that that happened, especially through like a government facility, right? Yeah, or yeah. Or organization, I yeah. should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way. Super cool that the government's funding something magic related. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I worked with my university. They actually have this great grant writing boot camp that I did. And I used that boot camp to develop my first draft of this, this grant. It's funded by the National Endowment for the Humanities, the NEH, and it's just a federal organization, federal agency. And really one of the things that they do is they really focus on, um, and this is through a media projects grants, a specific grant for things like television shows, movies, podcasts. 
And one of the things that they're really interested in doing is sharing humanities-based research with the broader American public. And they've done some amazing projects. So if you go to the NEH Media Projects Grant website, you can see other projects that they've funded in the past. And it's astounding, like the diversity of projects that they do. Magic in academia in the U.S. has been a little bit of a blind spot. Um, a lot can't of, imagine why. Can't imagine why. Yeah, people don't know what to do with it. And even religious studies, even among a lot of academics who aren't familiar with re religious studies as a field, they'll think of it as like, oh, that's the same as theology, right? And it's like, no, it's like a very different thing. And it has its own really interesting history as a discipline. I'm an art professor, right? I'm not a religious studies academic, but I love reading religious studies texts. I love reading history. Most of my art is about both of those things. And so I worked with religious studies scholars on developing this grant because looking at American magical practices is a way of really broadly understanding the complexity of the lived religious experience of Americans. And there's so much really interesting research coming out about what that looks like and how that in interfaces with our political culture, our social culture, our history. So it's really a humanities project, but the study of the history of magic is part of the humanities. So anyway, we wrote this grant, we got rejected the first time. <laughs> and I partly it was just me and my advisors and I didn't have a media organization like PRX involved. And so the next summer I was like, okay, I'm going to reapply. I didn't know anybody in like that sort of level of the podcast world. And so I just thought about the podcast that I love to listen to, like The Moth and Snap Judgment and like This American Life. And I was like, what the heck? So I got on LinkedIn and I just cold emailed a bunch of people at PRX and they're like, yeah, we'll take a meeting. And so I was fangirling at them really, really badly in the middle of the meeting and trying to be like cool and calm and collected. And they basically said, you know, yeah, if you get this grant, that will pay us to do this, like we'll do this. So we reapplied, uh, it was a much better grant and we got it. And so we're funded for three seasons. Um, each season is is only six episodes, but the episodes for, for your listeners who haven't listened to it yet, they're really, really richly sound designed. So if you think about something like the 1619 project, like that, that's my aspirational goal. It's, it's, that's like a whole other level, but, or, or snap judgment. These are really richly mixed and sound designed productions. And so this has that quality to it. Thanks to Jenny Cataldo, who's like an amazing sound designer. And so it takes us a while to make six episodes. So the next season will come out like April, May, and then the third season will come out October, November again. And we'll see, maybe we'll apply for, uh, we'll, we'll look around to see if there's other funding sources because um, there's there's really so much to this history. We're really just scratching the surface, surface in, in 18 episodes. So I want to thank you for answering that question for me. I work in research. So for me, this is a really interesting question to ask about <laughs> how you got funded. Yeah. Um, I, I know for some of my listeners, they're probably like, why is she asking that? But for the record, <laughs> that is why I'm asking. I'm in this field and I'm like, ooh, I want to know more about that. Yeah. That's cool. I think so, you know, if you have listeners who are like in the arts or creative fields and they're they have like local funding sources, even like small time, like, you know, 50 bucks, like can be a lot depending on what you're working on. If you ever get you know, see a grant opportunity, just apply for it. Just apply. You never know. Because if there's three people who apply, your odds are pretty good. And then the other part of that is like, if you get rejected, find out if they'll give you feedback on why, and then reapply, like try it again. Just keep trying. It's, it's like that song. Keep trying. Keep trying. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. I love it. <laughs> 
So I guess I should probably ask an obvious question. What are some of your episodes about? Like, what topics have you covered so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first episode is really like kind of framing the whole series. And that's got Thorne Mooney in it, who's a gardenerian high priestess, and Reverend Aaron Davis, who is, he does so many different things. He's an initiate of leukemy. He's a hoodoo root work conjure practitioner. Um, he's like amazing. He does all kinds of things. And, and that's like, they're really, really different practitioners. But there's key similarities in how their practices fit within the rest of their lives. And so that episode is sort of looking at their differences and also their similarities. The second episode is, okay, I'm a technologist. I love technology and magic. It's like where my heart's at. I think it's the nerdiest, coolest thing. And there's like three other people on the planet who agree with me. <laughs> but the second episode is looking at the history of the early bulletin board systems, which were like precursors to the internet and how pagans found each other in the middle of the satanic panic and shared information and created this text called the Podsnet Book of Shadows that's probably the world's biggest book of shadows, actually. And you can find it online. The third one is a true crime one, and it's looking at the murder of uh, Nelson Raymeyer, who was a Pennsylvania Dutch powwower in 1928, and also looking at how Media Circus almost destroyed powwow after that. The fourth one, which just came out today, uh, which is November 14th, is, oh gosh, Oh, spiritualism and Harry Houdini and how Harry Houdini tried to debunk spiritualism. Did he really? Yeah. I, had, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, we, there's actually a whole bunch of podcasts that get into some of Houdini's like relationships to different spiritualists. It, it's, it, that's a fascinating history, but we really look at it sort of like high level and try to understand what was happening, you know, on boots on the ground for spiritualism as a religious movement. And then the next one is the hoodoo root work and conjure one, which looks at how it changed over the great migration, the first great migration. That's got Tiana Lee McQuiller in it, who is amazing. She did the hoodoo tarot and like, it was honestly that tarot deck that made me really start thinking about this whole podcast series. And then the last one is looking at Korean American Gen X and millennial practitioners as, as just sort of a high level look at like, hey, within the Asian American diaspora, there's all these things happening. And a lot of it's generationally related, but that includes interviews with Jawan Koo, who's just astounding. And then also Jennifer Kim, who's a Mudong, uh, a Korean indigenous shaman who lives in New York City. So yeah, like we just had such a blast with the interviews for this whole series and just getting to talk to all these practitioners and the historians and the religious studies scholars who make up all the episodes. It was just an amazing gift to be able to do that. Yeah, I was going to say like that's such a rich cast of people to talk to. Yeah. Like what topics? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I yeah. Know. Like that's really really cool. I'm super jealous. Richard <laughs> Richard Kaczynski awesome. was in the second episode. Who's also like we'll probably come back to him because we're definitely going to do an episode about Thalema in the future. And then Daniel Harms for people who like nerd out on like grimoires. He's he was in like the third episode. We, like every episode has some like person that I basically fangirl at and. I was like, cool, now I get to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> now you get to talk to them and you're funded by a federal agency. Yes. Even better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So who would you say, given all the topics that you just went over with your guests, who would you say that this podcast is for? Mm, that's a great question. So I mean, I'm definitely going to be listening to it. So it's, <laughs> I guess I'm one of the people, but yeah. in a general. Yeah. Sense. No, it's funny. Most of the feedback actually so far has come from magical practitioners who are like, oh, you know, it's been really lovely because they're like, thank you for like, looking at it through this lens and like for a lot of practitioners are like, this is the thing that I can share with my 
like in-laws or my coworkers who like know that I practice magic, but don't get it. That's, you know, that's something that I hear a lot, which is really lovely. It's for non-practitioner audiences. It's really trying to share with them this beautiful world that the rest of us live in and have, and that it's all around. It's, you know, like people will be like, I don't know anybody who's a magical practitioner. And it's like, yes, you do. You totally know magicians, you know, witches, you know, sorcerers, you know, pagans, they're everywhere. So it's, it's carving out space for practitioners in their immediate communities. That's the goal of this in part. And also to just inspire people in general to like learn more about the different religions and magical practices in the world around them. There's so many fascinating, rich things happening in our communities. And it's kind of a shame that we're uncomfortable talking about religion because there's so much really interesting things we can share in that. It's it's my love song for pagan and magical communities, for sure. But it's it's targeting their families, coworkers, friends, so that they can have a little bit more breathing space in society. Well, it's definitely a beautiful thing that you're doing. This is so cool that you've been able to bring this all together and record these episodes. And I'm so stoked to see what you have in the future, but I was going to ask, can yeah. we get like a sneak peek of what you have in the future? Oh yeah. So yeah, we're, it, we're, we're, it's funny. Like we're, we're taught, we're basically like throwing around all these different ideas and realizing we're going to have to toss some ideas and like bring in other ones. Cause there's, there's too much. There's definitely going to be an episode looking at media representations of indigenous native Americans for sure. And Probably, I, we're going to see if we can parse this off into two separate episodes, looking at how Native American spiritualities and religious practices have gotten kind of mashed up through New Age and the counterculture movement, because there's so many stereotypes about Native American religious identities still to this day that are really, really damaging. And so we're going we're gonna to try to tackle that. And that's probably going to take more than one episode. I I definitely want to have one dedicated to ceremonial magic that's been happening. And I, I like trying to figure out the angle on that I, is the tricky part. Like I'm a little obsessed with like drawing spirits into crystals, but I'm also obsessed about stories about people having their house burned down by <laughs> spirits. Shout out to Rufus Opus. Who does, oh, okay. Yeah, who doesn't know me? Wait, wait. He had his house burned <laughs> oh, down by spirits? Girl. Yeah. Google that. That's it. Oh. That's a good one. That's oh. a good one. Yeah. I yeah, I, I know who he is yeah, yeah. just from. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know that happened to him. But anyway. Yeah, it might be. It might <laughs> actually be a rumor. Might I might be spreading disinformation, but I feel like I heard that story. I read it somewhere. No, no, no. I, I know somebody who was doing a Hakate ritual and they were working with like invoking some sort of like faint flame fire thing from her and ended up the next day. They walked into their living room and it was completely covered in ash. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, like that's. I believe you. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a thing. <laughs> and um, oh, gosh, I was just thinking. Oh, um, right. And like Joseph Smith and Mormons, like, you know, it's it's tricky because there's there's Ooh. yeah, there's some episodes where it's like a lot of listeners will be like, that's not magic. That's religion. And it's like, no, let's take a look at this in a historical context and see how the macro society called it at different points in time because it got it got called magic i had the opportunity to go take a tour of a mormon temple <gasps> with my high priest azazel um, there is a really really big one here where i live that you can see off the highway everybody calls it disneyland and last year i want to say yeah it was last year they did a bunch of construction on it. And so they had like about a two month period or so where people were allowed to get tickets to take a tour inside the Mormon temple before they reconsecrated it. Yeah. 
let me tell you, like that was some, there was some shit going on in that church. Like, <laughs> like, like they, they had a lot going on in there. That, um, and that architecture it, is amazing. The architecture was beautiful, but like there were things in there that I was like, there's no fucking way. You can't tell me that this is not <laughs> magically related. It just in the general scheme of what they're doing. And yeah. then I so on i mean this is on topic or but yeah i watched the real housewives of salt lake city yeah. <laughs> so uh, most of what i know about mormonism is from that show right. so take this with a grain of salt yeah. of what i'm saying but i remember one of the women on there talking about how in mormonism you're trying to develop like just be your best self because at the end if you do really well or something you become like a god and goddess of your own planet yeah. or some shit yeah. and then you have like people on and i was like what (laughs) like that's coming from a catholic background that was like i was like and you you this is not magic related there's no like occult-ish things here i don't think uh yeah yeah no and that's the thing like there there has to be somewhere in this like an episode dedicated to witchcraft and like there's so many different forms of witchcraft so many different ways it manifests like throughout history right to this day and i but i think one of the things that's really fascinating about witchcraft that's different than a lot of these other practices that are covered in the podcast is that it's self-decidedly and assertively magic like witches do magic like that is the thing that we do and i love that there's this tension because it's so normalized for folks who identify as witches and yet like that's our worldview. And so when you get to um, these other practices that are doing and practicing the same things, but they don't frame it that way, then again, it comes to that nebulous category, what's religion and what's magic and like who gets to decide that then. And I do want to, there's going to be a satanic panic episode, but I'm trying to figure out an angle to take on that. That's not like the same as all the other podcasts about the satanic panic. And basically I really want to like, interview little nas x about his satan shoes so i'm like i'm trying to like bring him in like how do i how do i try to like pull that off (laughs) i'm gonna try that would be that'd be so sick oh my gosh yeah anyway that's my that's that's my starting point and then i'll try to figure out the episode around that (laughs) we cannot we can light a candle or i don't know if somebody's listening to this episode and has a connection let us know and i will pass along your information to heather sweet this is excellent (laughs) and then i'll figure out the episode (laughs) that would be so i remember those shoes because i thought they looked really cool and then then they they got pulled by nike right yeah nike because of all the backlash right right but they but they didn't pull the god shoes so of course they didn't pull the you know yep exactly yep yep anyway anyway (laughs) anyway heather it has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast i am so stoked to check out your podcast uh i am really stoked for future episodes too especially (laughs) some of the the topics uh you talked about but before i let you go and before i ask where people can find you obviously aside from your podcast if you could give one piece of advice to a magical practitioner who's just starting out what would it be Let's see. I would say um, you're not alone. There's people there. They might be on Discord servers. <laughs> they might be at like a town far away from you. But, you know, you have the Internet and that's not always been there. So when you're overwhelmed by all the information and too much stuff and it's all too exciting and you're just drowning, 
just know that like you are surrounded by people who have been in the same place and they're just a couple clicks away. Discord is your friend. Facebook, maybe not so much, but you can decide. And just remember that you're not alone and that you can find those people. But then once you find those people, remember your path is your own and you own it. And that's purely yours. That is beautiful advice. And on the topic of finding people, how can people find you? Well, you can find uh, the podcast at magicintheunitedstates.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. So if you just Google magic in the United States, you'll you'll find the things. It's And it's on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple. Um, if you listen on uh, Apple, please, please, please leave a review. Um, for us, like modest podcasters, even with the big grants, like being able to get more grants to do more of these is really dependent on reviews. So uh, that's just like my like totally whoring asking your listeners for reviews and ratings and follows and likes. But uh, also you can find my studio art stuff on uh, heatherdfreeman.com. And that's just my regular art website. I do a lot of like magical art and animations and stuff. So that are not as good as this podcast, but they're there. <laughs> awesome. And you can find me pretty much everyone on the internet at Seeking Witchcraft Podcast on Facebook, at Seek Witchcraft on Twitter or X, at Seeking Witchcraft on Instagram, uh, which is Seeking Witchcraft is a Facebook group that we have. And I have a Patreon if you're interested in supporting the show. It's patreon.com slash Seeking Witchcraft. And yeah, feel free to leave a review for this episode and any of the episodes too. I think that's like the one thing I always forget to add at the end of my podcast, but whoops. Um, but there, now it's there. There, yep, there we go. Now it's there. But yes, thank you, Heather, so much for coming on. Make sure you check out Magic in the United States. It's going to be so cool to see how this podcast progresses. And I'm so happy for you. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Ashley. And I love your podcast so, so, so much. So thank you oh, for all the work you. you do. Of course. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.